you don't have to be depressed or on the edge of burnout for this to apply to you. Negative thinking happens in all sorts of little ways, and it's precisely those little doubts, the little worries, the little hesitations and opportunity costs that truly add up over time. Hello, and welcome to The Joy Within, where we're eliminating negativity one thought at a time. I'm Kyle Greenfield, and I'll be your guide as we explore how to be calm, confident, and happy in our crazy modern world. Join us each week as we dive into some of the biggest ideas in spirituality and personal development. We'll learn what it takes to gain control of your own mind, master your mood, and navigate the many ups and downs along the way. Visit thejoywithin.org to get started, so you can become the calm, confident, and happy person you truly deserve to be. Hello, and welcome back to the Joy Within's podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on the real cost of negative thinking, and we're going to look at the financial cost. This is a hard one to talk about, because everyone is different. So even though I'm going to try to quantify this for you, you have to understand there's a bit of flexibility here. So really, I encourage you to think of today's episode as a framework that you can use, a model for how to think about potential real-world costs your thoughts might have. First, we're going to look at how your habits of thought influence the way you think about money. Then, we'll look at how they might impact your career potential. And lastly, we'll dive into one model that you can use to make sense of it, and come up with an actual number, a real dollar amount, that you can point to when thinking about the cost of failing to improve your mindset. Again, the idea is to give you a framework you can use to think about it, with examples. The details are different for everyone. So, the first area to consider is how the quality of your thoughts impacts the way you think about money. This is fundamental because it filters over to most of the financial decisions you make, both in terms of the amount of money you earn and how you spend it. Basically, it comes down to the difference between a scarcity consciousness and a prosperity consciousness. Do you believe more strongly in lack or in abundance? Are you chronically worried about money, or are you comfortable with it? And note that your money mindset actually has very little to do with how much money you have, and everything to do with the way you feel about it. You could be rich and miserly, worried that it will always disappear. Or you could be poor and generous, confident that you will always have everything that you need. While it's not directly correlated, how negative or positive you feel most of the time can often be seen in your level of scarcity or prosperity consciousness. Because money is an important part of life, and it's hard to feel truly positive, truly open, if you are chronically stressed out about money. Again, it's not about how much or how little you have. It's about how you feel about it, and the beliefs that underlie those feelings. This is important because consistent negative thinking will, sooner or later, generally lead to a scarcity mindset. Negativity often causes a pessimistic, lack-based worldview. That mindset can absolutely destroy your financial well-being in two main ways. First, it changes your decision calculus about your potential to earn more money. It can cause you to settle for a safe bet rather than reach for what you really want. 
That impacts your earning potential, as well as how you think about investing and growing the money that you already do have. Second, negativity leads to more erratic spending. When you feel negative, you are more likely to spend money on things that alleviate the short-term pain, often at the cost of longer-term gains. This can be hard to spot within yourself because it can come so strongly from a place of need or even desperation, and it doesn't always look like you're spending irresponsibly. It can mean making a business or investment decision about something that you need to pay out in the short term, rather than a better choice based on a longer time horizon. Or it can manifest in your automatic reactions and personal responses to lack. For example, you might spend extra money on alcohol, or order takeout more often, or go shopping for things that you don't really need, because you are trying to use the external stimulus, the purchase, to compensate for your internal problem, the negative thinking. If you do this once or twice, you can say you're just treating yourself, but over time it adds up, and it creates poor financial habits, and it can originate with thoughts that are completely unrelated to money. To be clear, I don't mean to imply any judgment if you are making those choices. The point is not to beat yourself up about excess spending, it's to uncover the unconscious habits that often originate from negative thinking. And even if you're already aware of your own patterns, persistent negativity saps your willpower to change them, to the point where you can feel almost powerless to resist ordering that pizza, or buying those shoes, even as you think, I shouldn't do this, or even, I don't really want this. The negativity can wear you down, so you buy it anyway, almost automatically, unconsciously. So the question is, have you ever stepped back to identify whether or not you have those habits? Have you ever thought about how those little things can add up over time? Because that's the first financial cost. That negativity probably impacts the way you think about money, often without you ever truly considering why you think that way, or the possible consequences of it. The second financial cost of negative thinking revolves around your work. I already mentioned that a scarcity consciousness can impact the choices you make about your career, in terms of what opportunities you choose to see. Often, we start out with big goals, but wind up writing them off because we decide those big, stretch goals are unrealistic. We'll justify this, we say we're being logical, we're being realistic, but make no mistake, that is a form of negative thinking. It is a form of scarcity consciousness, and there is a huge opportunity cost that, frankly, most of us are completely blind to. But negative thinking also impacts your work in other ways. Again, to illustrate this, let's think of an extreme example. And hopefully you can relate, maybe you have a colleague like this, or maybe you've known someone in the past. But imagine someone at work who is constantly negative, constantly complaining about things, and constantly pulling everyone down. Think about how people will interact with that person versus how they'd interact with someone who is positive, upbeat, and encouraging. Really take time to reflect on that for a minute, and I think it's pretty clear which person you'd rather have on your team. And in the really extreme case, you can imagine that it would be easy for that super negative person to get fired, or to be first in line when it comes time for layoffs. And then, because they're negative, 
you can imagine them having difficulty getting another job, and you can see it just stacking against them over and over again as they go through their life and their career. But that's the extreme. What I want you to realize is this also happens on a much more subtle, everyday level. So walk back from that extreme case, and think about how the same idea might play out with someone who is just a little bit down. They just kind of go through the motions. So maybe that looks like just them not really being enthusiastic about anything. They might not be openly complaining or destructive, but you can at least tell that maybe they don't really want to be there. And ask yourself, how is that person treated? People might not hate working with them, but they probably won't seek them out either. Gradually, often in really subtle ways, that person will be left out of chances to grow and improve. On the surface, you might not even be able to pinpoint that they're negative, but there's just that feeling, that preference, to work with someone else instead. So how does that add up over the course of a career? It's hard to say exactly, and I think that's the problem. Because we often can't really pinpoint the problem, we don't recognize it, and we don't take action to change it. Negativity doesn't have to be extreme. It's those incessant little thoughts, the tiny complaints, the little doubts and hesitations throughout the day that gradually add up over time. Inner growth doesn't have to be difficult. You just need a plan. You need clear actions that you can take so that whatever life throws at you, you have the ability to respond from the highest version of yourself. When you join Happiness University, you'll get that plan. With clear insights, simple actions, and expert guidance to support you every step along the way. It's free to get started, so head over to thejoywithin.org, log in to Happiness University, and become the calm, confident, and happy person you truly deserve to be. So the last thing I want to do today is to give you a framework that you can use to help quantify this. And again, this is very back of the napkin, and it'll differ for everyone. But the statistic that I like to use is that the average worker wastes two to three hours a day. That's out of an eight-hour workday. So that's 25 to 40% of your time, just thrown away. This has been widely studied. It's the time that you spend debating yourself, fighting against yourself, wondering if you're doing the right task, or trying to figure out what the next best thing is to do. It's taking those extra little breaks because you feel stuck, those little nudges of procrastination that keep you back from doing the work that you know you should, even the work that you really want to be doing. All of that stems from the little voice in our heads. When you are calm, confident, and happy, you don't hesitate. You just act with whatever you know is best in that moment. You choose better actions, and you get them done more efficiently. So you don't waste time just spinning in circles or doing busy work that looks like work but isn't actually that important. And you can actually place a number on this. So to give yourself that number, just think about how much money you earn. And let's take the middle ground. So let's take 30% of it. I actually think that's conservative because it's not even accounting for how much more productive you could be, it's just how much the average person already wastes. So if you make, let's say, $80,000 a year, for example, 30% of that 
is about $2,000 a month. If you add that up over your career, it's easily over a million dollars. And if you were to invest it, it'd be worth probably three or four or maybe even five million dollars. That's the value of time that most people waste because they're stuck in their own heads. And that's not even accounting for raises and promotions that would come on top of that. It's just the value of your time at your current level that most likely is wasted. So you can look at that in two ways. On one level, you can think, man, what would I do with that extra $4 million? But on the other, you can ask, what would I do if I just had that value back? And it might not even mean more money. It could be time. If you waste two to three hours a day, instead of wasting that time, you could be more efficient and get home earlier. You could have more time for yourself and your family. It's all about how you choose to see it and where you choose to place that value. So that's the formula that I'd use. Take 30% of your salary, plug it into a retirement calculator over 40 years, and you come up with a rough back-of-napkin estimate of what these little, subtle, negative thoughts cost. Then add to that the ways in which it impacts your root-level thinking about money, and you can start to get an idea of the ways in which you might be holding yourself back. Again, you don't have to be depressed or on the edge of burnout for this to apply to you. Negative thinking happens in all sorts of little ways, and it's precisely those little doubts, the little worries, the little hesitations and opportunity costs that truly add up over time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. When you're ready to put these ideas to work in your own life, head over to thejoywithin.org and sign up for Happiness University. When you do, you'll have access to all of the tools and strategies you need to eliminate negative thoughts by tuning in to The Joy Within. You can follow a simple step-by-step system to become the calm, confident, and happy person you deserve to be. Visit thejoywithin.org to get started today. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with someone you love, because I think we can all use a little more joy in our crazy modern world.